Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, everybody at all of our locations, I'm making a declaration that today is grill outside, eat some ice cream day. We're finally getting some weather. I'm proud to be from the Midwest, but dear God, I'm ready for spring. Anybody else out there? There we go. If you're thankful to be in the house of the Lord today, turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking good. There you go, you gave a compliment. Husbands, hopefully you turn to your wife and not somebody else. So good to be with you. Hey, two years ago, we started a journey here at our church of faith and generosity called Wreck the Roof. And as we're nearing the end of this season, we wanna make sure that we gave you guys an opportunity to see how God used your faith and your generosity to bless and minister to people all across this region. Would you guys just take a few moments and watch this video? Two years ago, we committed to breaking barriers to reach a bolder faith. We saw Wreck the Roof as an opportunity to powerfully accelerate the mission and presence of Jesus in the lives of the people at The Crossing. The Roof of Engagement prioritized refreshing our existing locations specifically to reach those in our present communities still far from God and providing a more accessible summer program experience for kids and students through the purchase of Crossing Camp. With over 6,000 people walking through the doors across all of our locations every weekend, many of our facilities needed updates to signage, children's areas, entrances, parking lots, and other outwardly focused ministries. Your generosity throughout Wreck the Roof created the opportunity to bring new life into our buildings so that we can better connect with guests of the crossing and further invest in those already a part of our body. My name's John Jackson, been going to the crossing since March of 2012, so going on eight years. We got 935, it's been completely gutted out. It was the old fuse slash office building for our staff members. For the past six months, we've been ripping it all out and redoing it, building it up for the new Crossing Kids area at 929. We're wanting to make the place better for future generations to come. We don't want just the old same stale thing every day. Prior to Wreck the Roof, kids and student ministries traveled hundreds of miles over the summer for camps and conferences that, while worthwhile, were cost and time prohibitive for many. The purchase of Crossing Camp created better access for kids, students, and families to participate in summer programming designed to strengthen their relationships with Christ and further connect them with one another. My name is Jessica Elliferts and I am from the Macomb campus and I help volunteer uh, with the Macomb kids. So to be a volunteer at camp is where you are just checking everything about yourself at the door and you are there 100% for those kids. So it means you're gonna do crazy things. It means you're probably gonna have to eat stuff you wouldn't normally eat. You are gonna be staying up way too late. You're up way too early, but you are there to make sure that they are having a good time and that they are also learning about God. Uh, one of the most priceless things that I got to experience was having really special conversations with my children. Uh, I felt like it was a bonding experience. I felt like we got to talk uh, about the things that are really on their heart. Just last year, we hosted over 1,500 campers and 567 difference makers across all Crossing Camp events. Camp season saw baptisms, recommitments to Christ, families strengthened, difference makers stepping up as leaders, and lots of fun. Um, I'm Eric Grady, Camp Director at The Crossing. Um, I have been at The Crossing for going on six years now since, since Mount Sterling uh, became The Crossing. 
Working at the camp has been just a great experience for me personally. Just seeing, um, seeing students come to camp, uh, you know, all ranges of excitement, scared, whatever, but, and then seeing at the end of that week, um, just their encounters with Jesus and how, how transformative camp can be, and not only for students, but uh, difference makers that come and, and their lives are changed. They grow closer to Jesus in that short week there too. It's, it's just been a wonderful experience. Over the past two years, our focus on the roof of engagement has resulted in improved facilities, more discipleship opportunities at camp, and lives change for eternity. Your commitment to being generous will impact countless people for years to come as they continue to encounter Jesus at the crossing. Thank you for wrecking your roof. Absolutely amazing. Only God could have done something like that, but I'm so thankful that we got to be part of it. If you're like me and you uh, love camp, or maybe you're a person out there who wishes that uh, your kids could experience a camp like that, I have great news. They can experience that camp this summer. In fact, registration across uh, at all of our locations for camp season 2020 is now available. If you want to, as maybe your tax return money's coming in, go ahead and sign up your kid and your grandkid, or maybe the kid in your neighborhood who keeps ruining your grass, you could at least get him out of the neighborhood for the week, just kind of give the grass some time to repair, it's fine, Jesus will bless it. Uh, you can go to crossing.camp slash register, and if, or if you want, uh, at all of, uh, at some of our seats at some of the locations, you've got those little cards, and you can use that to sign your kids up, because I can tell you, uh, you will never regret making a spiritual investment in the next generation. So if that's something that's important to you, uh, I wanna make sure you guys take an opportunity to take advantage of that. What I wanna do real quick is I wanna pray for our camp season and I wanna pray for uh, the finishing up of Wreck the Roof and then we'll jump into the message, all right? Heavenly Father, you've been so unbelievably good to us. If we were to list it, it would take too long. And to, so to come to you after uh, you've done so much and to ask for more, but God, we do. We ask that you would watch over each and every single one of us as we try to finish up this Wreck the Roof journey. God, help us to finish strong. God, use what we're able to give you to advance your kingdom in big and powerful ways. I also just ask that you be with this camp season, that kids would go to camp and that they would uh, get genuine connection with you, that kids would make a decision to make you their Lord and Savior, that they'd be get an intimate personal relationship with your son Jesus and be obedient in the area of baptism. God, I pray that some of those kids would make the decision to go into full-time ministry. They'd be raised up to be pastors and missionaries. God, I pray that you'd be with the parents as they're getting ready to send them, that you would help them to have strategic conversations about what's going on in their heart with you. Use it, Lord, in your name I pray, amen. I've been so thankful for this sermon series. This past November, we had an elders retreat and we got together and we examined comprehensive data about our church and churches all across the country. And as we were going through that, we stumbled upon these 10 things that God calls the church to be and what he wants for his church to do. 
And all 10 of these are found in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the description of how the early church behaved. Right at the beginning, right at the inception, when the church was its purest. Oh, we've talked about communion and baptism, authority, scripture, fellowship, prayer. And we've talked about using our gifts to serve. Many of you, you've decided to get baptized. Others of you are reading your word more deliberately. Others of you have become more reflective and thankful during our communion moments. Uh, others of you, you've decided to take a huge step in the area of being a difference maker. In fact, we had hundreds of people recommit to being difference makers last weekend, and we had over 200 people say that they wanted to start serving for the very first time. It's been unbelievable this season, yeah. But can I be honest with you? I have, uh, I have no clue how to preach this one. I spent much of last weekend uh, not refining my sermon for last weekend. I spent it working on the sermon for this weekend. Hopefully we're close enough that you can, uh, you can handle this kind of transparency for me. But I, I did. I, stood, I stared at a blank screen. I, I read emails I've received in the past on topics like this. I, I listened to old sermons. We've preached on this. I, uh, I read the different scripture verses, and there's lots of different scriptures I could use to talk about a topic like this. And I just got to be honest, I, I spent a lot of time staring at a blank screen. And then I was like, you know, I got to actually write this thing at some points that way. Nobody wants me getting up here and just talking off the top of my head. That's not safe for anybody. So, but even as I finished it, I, I had no clue how to write it because today I'm talking, um, I'm talking about giving. Everybody good so far? Okay, uh, here's why. Um, there are four questions I always ask when I get ready to preach. What do I want them to know? What do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? I want to, I want preaching and I want the time we expose ourselves to the word of God to result in movement and us doing the things of God. But the first question I always ask is, who's my audience? Like, who am I actually talking to? And I got to be honest with you, this is a pretty diverse audience. There's some of you, you're here for the very first time. You just moved to one of our towns and you're, you said, hey, we'll try out the crossing. And you're looking at your wife and going, well, Myrtle, I guess this one isn't the one for us. I, I get it. Uh, there's some of you, uh, you're here for the first time because someone brought you. Would you do me a favor? Just look over and just pat them on the leg and say it's going to be okay because they're probably about ready to start a panic attack. They're in the middle of a prayer right now going, God, why? Why today of all the days I've been praying for years to bring this person and this is the sermon they get? How could you? I get it. I get it. Listen to me. If you're in that camp, uh, you can tune me out. Uh, if you don't know how to do that, my kids uh, got like a whole way on how to tune me out and they give it to you. I can, I can tell you this, I think there's something in here for you, but you, you choose whether or not you wanna go on the rest of the journey. If you wanna pull up you know, Twitter and pay attention to what's happening in politics because that sounds more exciting to you, feel free. If you're, if you're here today and um, I, I know there's other, another group of you, you're, you're not believers yet. Uh, you come to church on a regular basis. You like being around here, but for some reason or another, you've never really crossed over that line and said, yep, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I'm talking about today is something that people who love God do. And if you don't love God yet, uh, this isn't for you. And you need to know this. I'm okay with that. In fact, my favorite group of people that come to our church are people who don't love God yet. That's why we exist. 
We exist for people who are far from God to be able to find God and develop an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're at any one of our locations right now watching, whether you're online or inside and you're hanging out and you don't love Jesus yet, listen, you can, you can tune me out too. There's something in here for you if you want it, but hear me when I say it. I'm not coming after you today. There's some of you listening to me right now, you're, uh, you don't give. You come to our church, you, you, you're starting to love Jesus, you're kind of on a growth trajectory, but for some reason or another, you haven't started giving yet, and uh, listen to me, that's fine. We have lots of people who fall into that camp. I think there's something in here for you, but I don't want you to feel obligated. Then I know there's a special group of people here at our church, the givers. Uh, I mean, every single week you come in and uh, every so often you kind of feel like God's prompting you, like he's wanting to do something in you. You feel uh, a compulsion to respond and so you give an amount. It's not uh, a consistent amount. It's not a specific amount. It's pretty random. It's kind of dictated by how much cash you have in your pocket or if there's a little left over in the bank account. But every so often you, you feel like you should and you do and I want you to know that God uses that. He uses that and he combines it with other gifts all across our region and he uses it to bless people and empower people and help people find a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's another group of you in here, I'm gonna call you the tithers. Uh, you're a group of people, crazy group of people. You take God at his word and you go, you know what, I'm gonna live on 90% of my income and I'm gonna give 10% back to God. You actually believe that you're gonna get farther in life on 90% with God than on 100% without him. And you form the backbone and the foundation of this church. It's because of your faithfulness that we're able to reach out and bring Jesus into different communities. It's because of your continued faithfulness that we're able to count on you to make services like this happen all across our region. And God has faithfully been using your faithfulness to impact countless other people. And then there's this radical group. There are some of you listening right now and you remember when you started tithing and then you remember when you took this step to become generous. Now this is, this is my terminology. I don't want you to get hung up on the words that I'm using like the labels. I'm just trying to categorize people. I call people who give more than 10% of their income generous. That's me, that's not the Bible. I believe that the tithe belongs to the Lord that like everything I have belongs to him, I give 10% back to him, and then anything I do after that is me starting to be generous. And so there's a group of you, a radical group of you inside of this church that you've kind of made that decision. You didn't stop at 10%, you give more to the church, you sponsor kids going to camp, you sponsor a child overseas. Our church as a whole is not a generous church, but it is full of courageously generous people. A while back, we took our whole church to our core values and there was one core value that we would love to have. But core values are not your goals, they are what you are. And I don't think we can say that we're a generous church yet. It's not because uh, there aren't generous people, because there are, there's some incredibly generous people. But until we're collectively as a whole, more of us are saying, you know what, we want to be generous, it's hard for us to call ourselves collectively a generous group of people. But for those of you here in that camp, I need you to know that your faith and your sacrifice inspire me and give us a boldness to trust God in a powerful way. So I'm working on this sermon, and I gotta think about all those different categories of people. And then I also know that when you preach a sermon like this, it just fuels people's misconceptions. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me explain. 
Uh, how many of you at all of our locations, uh, you've heard someone say to you, all the church wants is your money? Oh, raise your hand, Get, just, just own it, yeah. Uh, we're gonna handle a couple of these, this is why. Because you might, you might really love this church or you might love a different church that you go to. And when you hear someone say that, you don't know how to respond. And so I'm gonna kind of put some ammo in your clip. So you can kind of walk around loaded. So when someone says something, you know how I would, how I respond. And I'm not saying the way I respond's right, but it's fun. I had someone come up to me one time and say, all the church wants is your money. It was a coach. And uh, I have a problem, I don't know if you have it, where sometimes I'll start talking before I start thinking. You've been there before? And uh, because you need to know that that is one of the most um, hurtful things a person can say to me. To say that the church only wants your money is, it's just, it's just mean. We celebrate baptisms around here. We, we, that's the video we play. We celebrate life change. If all I cared about is money, listen to me, I know how to raise it. I would just show a video of all the people who give at our church. Oh yeah, now you're tracking with me. So you know what we value. We value life change. This coach comes up to me and he says, all you do is care about, all the church cares about is money. And I said, no, all you care about is money. And he goes, what? I said, well, you negotiate your contract every, every year, don't you? And he goes, well, yeah. I said, well, I don't. I said, I can't even go in and watch you work without having to pay to get in. In fact, I have to stand outside until I have a ticket that I paid for to be able to come in and watch what happens. I go, all you care about is money. And then a couple times a year, you'll have a big banquet where you'll auction off stuff and you'll invite all the rich people together and have them buy it so that way you can have even more money. And then in, if I go to the game, there's a special room for the super rich people. It's where the boosters hang out. I don't have a special room for the rich people at our church with nice couches and more Casey's breakfast pizza. I don't have one of those. I said, and... And when, when it's really nice, if they're like a super high level donor, they get special parking spots. So when they come to the game, they don't have to walk that far. We don't have those. And I said, and if they're a super high level giver, you let them travel with you to game days. I said, don't you dare come at me and say that all the church cares about is money. This is the only place that never sends a bill. Not once. When your marriage is in trouble, you can call the church and we show up, not because we're paid to, because we want to. When, you're, when your kids are going through challenges, guess who's there? The church. When you're navigating the challenges of a disease and you're in the hospital, guess who's there? When you're navigating challenging pregnancies, guess who's there? When you need counseling, coaching, help, a friend, a meal, guess who's there? The church. And when you're weeping in the graveyard, guess who's there? The church and we don't ever send a bill. You might not do it as loud as that, but that's something you could say. I've also heard this one. The staff get paid too much. Let's just have all the fun, right? Let's just do it today. Is this a good one? We're definitely gonna, yeah, we're gonna eat a lot of meat this afternoon. We're gonna have to forget, okay. Uh, listen to me. This is what I want you to do when someone says that. You just turn to them and you say, yep. Just say you're absolutely right. 
All of our staff, every single one of us get paid too much. It's not because of the amount of our check, it's because of the intensity of our calling. We can't even believe that we get paid. We sold out to Jesus and we gave him a blank check and we're letting him be in charge of all the provision for us. The fact that we get paid to do ministry amazes each and every single one of us at all of our locations. But to give you perspective, if all of our staff were to go and join the school system and become teachers, they would all get a raise. Most of them moonlight, mowing lawns, refing games, getting gigs as substitute teachers, fixing cars at night, driving Lyft, all to make room in their budget to live out their calling. I once had a person tell me all the time that pastors made too much money. I got so sick of it. Then one day his kid decided that he wanted to go into full-time ministry and the dad came back to me and said he was worried about his kid getting poor. And I said, well, which is it? I hear stories of pastors that are afraid to take pictures of family vacations that somebody else blessed them with because they're worried that the church will take issue. I have to be honest, I don't ever wanna be a part of a church like that. I wanna be part of a church that's thankful for its staff and excited and pleased to bless them. I wanna be a part of a church that takes pride in how it honors them and their family. I'm not just saying this because I work at this church, I'm saying this because I'm part of this church. That's what I'm saying, I'm in. I think you can tell a lot about a man by how he treats his wife. Like I plan on putting as many wrinkles on my wife's face as I possibly can from laughing. I want it to just, I just want it to hang there. I want her life to be so full of joy that there's just not enough cream in the world that can contain it. That's what I want. You can tell a lot about a man by how he treats his wife and you can tell a lot about a church by how it treats its staff. And I'm not saying you guys are bad at it. I'm, not, I'm just letting you know what kind of church I think you wanna be, what kind of church we wanna be. And you can tell a lot about a group of people about how they treat their staff. Uh, here's this one. This one's kind of a fun one. You get, there's some interesting cheers, but you guys will. I've heard that all the money from all of our locations just comes back to 48th Street. How many of you at all of our locations have heard that one? Some of you here have heard that one? Oh man, that's great. I love this one. Just so you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Around 25% of our income from 48th Street goes to cover the shortfall at some of our other locations. Because of the size, scale, and maturity of the 48th Street campus, they're able to operate with greater efficiency and pass the savings to locations, still struggling to cover costs. As a campus, they do with less so that, they, so that people can have the necessary resources to reach people in their other communities. Hear me, it can take years for a new location to get on its own feet financially, it is not a burden to the 48th Street location to do so. It is a privilege. <laughs> At all of the locations, I hope you hear people here clapping. The reality is that The Crossing has done and is doing an amazing job of leveraging every dollar that comes in to help people find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Presently, The Crossing uh, receives less than 25% of the people who call The Crossing home. They demonstrate uh, tithing behavior. Less than 25% of the people at all of our locations demonstrate what the Bible would call tithing behavior. What that means is, is that 75% of people are still figuring out what giving looks like. Furthermore, in comparison to other churches all across the country, regardless of their size or their location, the crossing operates on 75% of what other churches take in. So for every dollar that another church takes in, the crossing takes in 75 cents per person, okay? That's while we're in a generosity initiative. 
The rest of the time, we operate on 60% of what other churches take in. In other words, here at The Crossing, we make pennies dance. We make pennies earn their keep. We make them dance as hard as we possibly can. Listen to this. Most churches have one staff member for every 51 people who go to their church. The Crossing operates with one staffer for every 91, which makes us 78% more efficient. So while we're not blessed financially as other churches, you need to know that it hasn't stopped us not once for being effective because our God continually is unbelievably faithful to this church. <clears throat> we have more locations, more baptisms, and more outreach than almost every church in the country. The Crossing has grown to be one of the 100 largest churches in America. Now churches from across the country come to us to learn how to do mega ministry in miniature towns with shoestring budgets. We had a church come in that was doing multi-site locations and they were super excited because they had whittled down the cost to open up a location to reach a thousand people down to eight and a half million dollars. And we were like, well, we can show you how to do all of our locations for less than that combined, <laughs> okay? And they're like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, they're coming to us. They're coming to you because God is being faithful here. Here's what I'm saying. Today, I want us to chart a path forward to becoming a generous church, a church that doesn't just have generous people, but a culture of generosity. Because the early church was a church that was contagiously generous. Look at what it says in Acts chapter two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I wanna read what it says in Acts. All the believers, Acts chapter four, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. For the early church, it was not an obligation to give, it was a privilege. You can see the immediate results. They sold houses and didn't consider things their own, but freely gave and shared, and there were no needy people among them. This was not something dictated by the government, this was not something enforced by law. This was something that they did freely in response to one another and in response to God. I've heard people say that tithing isn't in the New Testament. I think they're wrong, but I always say, let's split the difference. The Bible, I mean, I'm, if you're a believer in tither, you believe that 10% goes to God and you get to keep 90. The only other real uh, passage that shows anything is the two I just read where people are saying they didn't have anything. 
So if you wanna just live on 45% of your income and give 65% away, you could do that as well. What I wanna do is I'm not gonna talk about tithing today or any of that. What I want us to do is I just want us to start a, gener- or, uh, start a journey of becoming a generous church. So I think there's four things we need to do. Well, three things that we need to do, one thing for sure that I need to do. Here's the first thing. If we're gonna become a generous church, I owe you an apology. I apologize for ever apologizing about talking about money. This is not something that I should be afraid of or embarrassed of, but proud of. We say that God's way is the best way, and I believe it, but that means it needs to include what the Bible says about giving. How can I expect us to be a generous church if I don't boldly and with conviction preach the blessings and the warnings in Scripture concerning finances? This is a huge issue for us as a church. If I preach on marriage, people lean in because 50% of the marriages are headed for divorce. If I preach on porn, statistics show that 60% of you that are in this room or all of our rooms all across our location watched porn in the last month. But our statistics show us that 75% of the people in our church are still struggling to be obedient to God in the area of their finances. And how can I as your pastor, who's supposed to love you and care for you, not give you the whole truth? I owe you an apology. So this will be the last time you will ever hear me apologize about preaching on giving. I'm gonna preach it like we'll preach everything else. (laughs) Two, we need to celebrate giving. For this next season, we're gonna begin receiving offering in a new way. Some of you who've been here for a while, you'll say that this is retro. Some of you might say, I've seen this before. Well, it is, we've done it before. You see, we stopped passing buckets a couple years back when we thought that everybody was giving online and we wanted to make sure that we were being more conducive to people who are coming to our church for the very first time. But the truth is when we started to do that, uh, we did a couple things we didn't intend to do. We didn't intend for offering to become demoted to a box in the back on your way out. Some of you would say that's, as, that's equal to throwing out your coffee cup as you're leaving. Giving needs to have a much larger place in our worship than that, and we shouldn't be afraid to place it there. Giving is a demonstration of our love for God and our acknowledgement that what he has done for us. <clears throat> and it's our moment to declare that we are his and we seek to give back to him, and we're proud of that. And we don't wanna hide it or make it feel insignificant. The second reason is related to that. When we took away the passing of the buckets, we took away a powerful worship moment and teaching opportunity for all of the newcomers and those who are first getting to know Jesus. Last year alone, we had 713 people start giving at this church for the very first time. 713 people. Their combined giving over the course of the year was a half a million dollars. And we were able to leverage that to do ministry in all of our locations, and it found its way to our ministry partners all around the globe. Their money was a part of making sure that all 712 baptisms that happened last year took place. I preached this sermon on Thursday, and on Friday I was going to McDonald's because I'm me. (laughs) And a girl pokes her head out the window and she says, I was at church last night, thank you so much for preaching on giving. Then my assistant sends me an email and I wanna read it to you. I just wanted to say thank you. 
as someone who's been blessed and found God in a safe haven in this church, I received the free counseling through regeneration at 929. At times I received free childcare from this church. I experienced free experiences because someone paid for women's conference rise for me anonymously and I still can't describe how grateful I am to whoever that it was. It's something I can't put a price on. I got back my life for free. I attended a life group, regen, services on Thursday and on Sunday. Now I'm a difference maker. I'm attending MDI and I'm sober. I have new friends and mentors and people I consider family. I agree wholeheartedly with your message. And I don't see myself giving physically, mentally, and financially to God in the church. Shoot, that doesn't seem like enough. I also appreciate the bucket coming back. <clears throat> because as a server, most of my income is in cash and it never makes it to the bank. So the bucket gives me an easier way to do my part financially. I'm not gonna read the rest because I gotta keep preaching, but you get where God's going. Number three, as a church, we need to live by faith and not by fear. Proverbs 11 says this, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. You might be going, well, how do I live by, or how do the righteous live? Well, the Bible tells us that the righteous live by faith. They don't live by fear. They trust God. They believe God. The righteous believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. They believe that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. The righteous believe that you can't outgive God. You have a choice. You can either live by faith or you can live by fear, but you can't live by both. And I want us as a church to live by faith. Number four, all of us, every single one of us need to take a step. If we're gonna become a generous church, it's gonna take all of us. Your step might look different than the person sitting next to you. For some of you, it might be giving for the first time. For others, it might be starting to give consistently and using online to help you establish the discipline. There are some of you who are ready to start trusting God with the tithe, 10% of your income. I know it's a big step, but I can tell you it's one of the best steps I've ever taken. Some of you, you've been richly blessed. You could sell a field. You could, instead of you know living, having a third house, you could just choose to rent an Airbnb when you travel. Some of you, you might wanna become a legacy giver. Here's what I describe a legacy giver. A legacy giver is a person who has a lifetime giving goal. When I was in college, I made a decision that I wanted to try and give away a million dollars in my lifetime. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, because I don't have any expectation and I don't think you do either of you guys giving me $10 million to be your preacher, okay? <laughs> let's, just, let's just level that playing field. But I'm chasing it, I'm tracking it. Last week in the lobby, I had a conversation with a guy and I said, I need your help because I wanna set up my, a will so that way when I die, at least 10% of whatever I'm worth comes back to this church so that way ministry happens even in my death. 
but I don't wanna wait till I die to give as much as I possibly can. I wanna give it away now where I can see God use it, which is why this morning I, I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna end with this story. John chapter six. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked, this is only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was gonna do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled the 12 buckets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I got three takeaways for you. And then I'm gonna say, we're moving to a time of decision. You ready? Takeaway number one, what you have might not look like much, but it's amazing what God can do with it when you give it to him. But God won't use it until you give it. It's just how he works. That boy's lunch didn't look all that big, all that significant. Your step today, it might be a huge uh, step or it might be a small one and to you it looks insignificant. I just need you to know that I believe that when you give what you have to God, he can do something amazing with it. When you place it in his hands, everything changes. The second thing is, is there's, a, there's an interesting thing I've experienced in my own finances, and that is the power of resupply. That every time I have given to God, I have never looked back and needed what I gave. He's always resupplied. The boy, and sometimes the resupply is greater than the gift. That boy gave five small loaves two small fish, but what was captured afterwards was 12 basketfuls. Here's the third thing. All those people, they saw the miracle. All the people experienced the miracle. It would have been awesome to have been there, but that little boy is the only one who could say that he was part of the miracle. And I just have to tell you where my heart is as a pastor and my heart is as a follower of Jesus Christ. I think the defining characteristic if we wanna become a generous church is we don't just wanna settle for seeing God move. We don't wanna just settle for experiencing moves of God. We don't just wanna watch him work. We just don't wanna see it and experience that there's something deep inside of us that says we wanna be part of it. Everybody else got fed, but the boy got to help in the feeding. And I just gotta be honest with you, I think that there's a lot of us, if we were to be honest with ourselves, deep down inside, we don't wanna just watch miracles, we don't wanna just see them, we don't wanna just experience them. There's something inside of us that wants to be part of them. And I hope you guys will consider that as we move to this time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. 
you can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.